And so we don't leave without your prayers, all right? So when we leave, we represent you, and we need your prayer support. So we'll be leaving on Tuesday, and uh, Pastor Todd is gifted enough to cover multiple choice items in a prayer. So he is going to pray over the offering, thanking God for that. He's going to pray for Jezro and my trip. And thirdly, he's going to pray for our guest speaker today, who is a very wonderful man that some of you know him. If you don't know him personally, uh, you may know him if you've been a part of our Vanguard Leadership Summits. You may have used actually some of the books that he has written. Grant Edwards is an accomplished author today, a podcaster, author with an organization called Discipling Another. And uh, discipleship has been core to who he is and what he's been about. But uh, Grant and I have a lot of similar values. But one thing that is very markedly different about our years, as you know, I was celebrating 50 years last night and this year. But Grant, is this your 50th year too in ministry? So this is also Grant Edwards' 50th year in full-time ministry. And you notice we're still, we're still moving. We're still doing good, still doing good, all right, as you will see. Grant, the difference is I have bounced around all over the place doing things. Pastor Grant invested his entire ministry uh, up until a year and three months ago in one local church. Started it, founded it, built it up to an amazing church that has great influence in uh, Springfield, Ohio, that is in the Dayton, Ohio area. Someone want to give a shout out for Ohio? I know we got some folks here that wanted to, yeah, there are a few of you I know. Yeah, I heard it, I heard it, Rachel, okay. Uh, so he is just a fantastic pastor, teacher, trainer, and I wanted to make sure that you had a chance to be blessed by Grant Edwards this morning. So Todd, it's time for you to come and do your multiple choice prayer. And uh, would y'all please agree with Pastor Todd and then give a warm Riverbend Church welcome to Pastor Grant Edwards. Thank you, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, we do rejoice this morning, God, for all the things you brought in our life. God, we are celebrating today all the goodness we've seen in each other and also this church. Lord, we speak life into Riverbend Church, every person, in the, every individual, every family, God, we thank you for the gifts today that were given. We thank you for everyone that is sacrificially given to your work. God, multiply our gifts. Use your gifts to increase your kingdom, we pray, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for the generosity of this house and for all that's happening. Jesus. Pastor Bobby and Jezreel, I don't see Jezreel. Would you all just either extend your hand towards Brother Jezreel, towards Pastor Bobby, we're going to just pray for this trip. Lord, thank you so much for a heart of missions, for a heart of uh, discipling and growing leaders. God, we lift up Brother Jezreel and Pastor Bobby right now on this trip. We know it's not a vacation. God, we, we know that they're not 20-year-old men. We know all that happens in jet lag and traveling around the world, Lord. We come against that right now in the name of Jesus. We speak life and health and vitality over them. We pray, God, for all the God moments you're going to line up for them. God, help them to open their mouth and to speak let them be free to do what you've called them to do. God, thank you for health. Thank you for traveling mercies. I pray that there would be just an ease in flight. Lord, bless them, encourage them, lift them up. We thank you for them, God. And would you extend your hand over to Pastor Grant? Lord, I thank you for our brother today. I thank you for this word that stirred in his heart to bring today. I pray that you would give him free, free release to say what you've called him to hear to say. God, anoint him, be with him, bring the word to our ears, Lord. Hungry hearts, hungry souls, ready to receive, and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Grant. Thank you. Can I just hear all of you say amen again? Amen. Can I just hear all of you say amen again? Amen. Thank you. It's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are assembled here today. You know, I, I was a part of the gala for Carrie and Barb and Bobby uh, last night, and many of you were as well. And I don't want to reiterate, but I do want to reinforce that as I sat there and saw the impact and the influence of Bobby and Carrie's ministry, not only in this community, but nationally and internationally, and all the honor that was given through testimonies, 
I, I would just like to affirm amen to that. They deserve that honor. And I was privileged to be a part of it. I'm also privileged to be a part of your 10th anniversary. I was so excited about being here in worship. Whenever I attend another church, I like to sit in the back and just watch the worship team and just pray for the room. And you could tell that something exciting was going to happen today. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, 10 years, congratulations, but uh, there's still going to be 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60 years in the future. Can I hear an amen to that? So let's give yourselves a little bit of encouragement. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you need to keep coming here. And uh, also, if you spot somebody that's new, uh, let's just go for it. Turn to them and say, you should come here. I am going to be talking about today uh, probably the message that has impacted my life more than any other message, and I hope that it will impact your life more than any other message too. It's a very simple message. It's easy to remember, although it would need some description and defining as I go through my message today. It's just 7.13.19. And if you can remember 7.13.19, you've got my message for today. So, 7... Okay, it's kind of group response here. I, I point to you and, and then you respond, okay? All right, seven, seven. 13, 13. 19. 19, amen. Now, the reason why you should remember 7, 13, 19, the importance of it is, is because it's key to your victory in Jesus. And it has been key to my success as a pastor and a follower of Jesus. So maybe... Since this is so important to your Christian life, we should not only remember, but be a little bit more enthusiastic. Seven. Seven. Thirteen. Thirteen. Nineteen. Nineteen. That is the password for understanding the full promises of what God intends for you. And I'll be a little bit more definitive and descriptive as I go. But, um, you know, I have a lot of gadgets. I uh, have three laptops. I have one of those little uh, Samsung Z Fold phones. I have a desktop. And they all need passwords. And also, those devices allow me to access all these things that, that are out there in the cloud, and they all have passwords. And the tech person that I am working with he was noticing all these devices. Oftentimes, I travel with two computers. And he said, you know, there is a program that I can put on all of your computers. And once it's on all your computers, you don't have to worry about your passwords anymore. All you have to do is type in somewhere you want to go, and this program will put your password there. He said, it's absolutely safe. He said, it's encrypted. He said, the only thing that you have to make sure that you don't do is forget your password. <laughs> the only thing that you, don't have, that you shouldn't do is forget that password. He says, they don't remember it, the company doesn't remember it. I won't remember it. You are the only one that needs to remember it. Now, I know that this, this congregation has been under the teaching and knowledge and prophecy of Bobby Hill for 10 years. So I'm going to test that teaching, knowledge, and prophecy. How many, by raising your hand, will indicate you know exactly what happened to that password? <laughs> I, I, I forgot it. And I don't, I, I mean, it is everything that that guy said. It's just I forgot the password. I didn't write it down, I forgot the password. And it is encrypted. I mean, this has been a real problem for me because it keeps warning me if I try different passwords, if I try one more, that it's going to close it down completely. So I've been alodenly vigilant the last week, six weeks. Every morning I get up and I try a password, and I have not been successful. You know, we, we studied, we studied uh, the resurrection, and I'm just saying, you know that stone that rolled back? If my password was on that stone, history would have been different. I mean, this... this <laughs> This particular password, I lost it. I lost it. And so what I want to make sure that you don't do 
is that you don't miss this password. 7, 13, 19. Now, the difference between my password and your password and this password is, is that I don't want anybody getting into my stuff because if they get into my stuff, they can take my stuff. I don't want anybody taking my identity. I want my stuff to be encrypted. And I want it to be safe. But there's the difference between the password for the promises of God. He doesn't care if everybody knows the password because he doesn't care if you take his stuff because he has unlimited resources. And so it's very important when we talk about the resources of God and understanding that God is good and great that we also understand that the Bible teaches that his good and his greatness comes specifically to you through very specific promises and that we need to understand these promises and how to release them. And this is the password, 7.13.19. This is the password that is so important. Now, before I explain the password, I want to read you a scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. Can I hear an amen to that? So that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So, one of the aspects of promises is that they are great. And another aspect of God's promises is that they are good. So we're going to talk about how great God's promises are, and God is great, and we're also going to talk about how good promise God's promises are, and that God is good. You have to have both of that. You have to understand the greatness of God, and you have to realize He's good, and you have to grab hold of those by faith. And what begins to happen is what I call your calling. What has to do with with gifts, it has to do with your ministry and the effectiveness of it, because not only are there general promises, but there are specific promises that you grab hold of. And when you walk in those promises, you release all the resources of God. God's grace and mercy comes to you through promises. And the problem is not so much that God's resources is limited, but we just have forgotten the promises. And even more important, we've, we've forgotten our personal promises. And it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, He has granted to us, okay, let's make it personal, that's you. I turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. It's precious and magnificent promises. In other words, with the promises of God, there's no fine print. God, when he promises you something, it's, it's always, always larger than what you expect. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you imagine. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Ask anything in my name. There's no fine print. Those are the promises of God and these are the promises that are, that are being given to you if you just understand the password so that you can open it up. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent, precious and magnificent. So by them you might become partakers of divine nature. And what do you mean by becoming partakers of divine nature? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you want to experience all of that? Uh, that's the divine nature, the fruit of the Spirit. And that comes to you through promises. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. In other words, what will stand against you to fully actualize God's promises is lust and what is in the world. But by the promises of God, you can overcome that. That is why it is so important to understand the promises of God. And it's so important also to understand that the promises of God are great and are without limit. You know, I have been trying to think of a, an illustration and... Today I will be sent sharing some testimonies of myself, also my family, simply because when it comes to the promises of God, the testimonies are so necessary because they're not ethereal and they're not on paper, they're really practical. And I have found that I have been able to grab hold of promises not because somebody explained them so well, but because somebody gave me a testimony of how it worked for them. And so I will be sharing you some promised testimonies that I think will encourage you. One has to do with my, my granddaughter, uh, Lila. And uh, Lila is four years old, and uh, she's out of control most of the time. And as a grandparent, that's fine with me. And when she comes to my house, she's out of control. When she goes home, she has to get back into control. But I have nothing to do with that as a grandparent. That, that's, not, that's not the role of a grandparent, as they keep grandkids under control. 
I, I just root her on from afar and, and distance, and Lila and I have a great relationship. Lila, uh, she loves Easter, and she loves Reese's Pieces Easter eggs. She loves them. She loves them. And uh, Kroger knows this, too, that Lila and other kids know, because at Easter time, what do they do at the self-checkout? They put displays of Reese's Pieces Easter eggs. Well, my daughter Lila has been um, forbidden by her mother to eat Reese's Pieces because they just, she can't stop. And so recently, they were at Kroger, and, uh, you know, Easter time, Reese's Pieces were there. The display was there. They were going through the, you know, the self-checkout, scanning and beeping, scanning and beeping. They got through that, got to the car, and on the way home, my daughter heard unwrapping of paper. And she looked in the back seat, and that little Lila was unwrapping a Reese's Pieces Easter egg. And my daughter recognized that she hadn't bought her a Reese's Pieces Easter egg. She pulled over the car, and she turned around, Lila, did you steal that Easter egg? And Lila looked at her and says, don't worry, Mom. You know that old guy that was standing next to us? I beeped it on his scanner. <laughs> now, I have the tendency to taking the incredibly sophisticated theological truths and making them so mundane, but I just want to say this about the grace of God and His promises. Don't, don't, don't worry when you take the promises of God. I, I mean, you got to be careful here. I am not up here promoting uh, children uh, doing such things. <laughs> Although, as a grandparent, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but let me come back to this incredibly theological uh, idea and make it mundane. Here's about the promise of God you need to understand. It's okay. Beep it on his God scanner. It's already been paid for. When you find yourself in the situations of life that are above your strength, the situations of life that are bringing discouragement and despair, when you encounter illness, it's okay to claim a promise of God. By the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus, it's already been beeped on his scanner. When you go through life recognizing the resources that you have and walking in that hope, that is key and critical to releasing the promises that God wants to give you. Let me define uh, promises real quick for you. Uh, promise, a uh, divine declaration from God that is true, sure, and eternal. Now, there are two aspects of the promises of God. And they, there's general promises of God, and then there are specific promises of God and, and, of course, the general promises of God uh, that are for all of us, and then we each individually have specific promises of God. Uh, an example of that, uh, there's a promise of salvation that is for everybody in this room. Can I hear an amen? Uh, there is a promise that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, listen carefully to this, there's a problem, promise when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven, and therefore there is no condemnation in your life. And is as terrible of a person that you think that you have been or perhaps that you have been, uh, there's a promise in the Bible that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only your sins are forgiven, that you no longer have to walk in condemnation. I don't know about that, but I am so glad that I walk in the promises of Jesus Christ. Those are general promises to all of us. But we also have to re recommend and understand that there are specific promises that have to do with me that maybe do not have to do with you. And how you really fully actualize God's promises in your life is you recognize you stand on the general, I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but then God has called me to do something and to be something, and he'll ask me, this is what I want you to do, and it might be, and it will be, typically beyond my resources, I'll have fearfulness about it, and then I rely on his promises. God, you have called me to do this, Therefore, you will provide and you will pay and you will give me strength. Now, your specific promises will come according to your calling because your calling is not only about your gifts, it's about your ministry and its effectiveness. And so the more you get to walk in God's general 
calling, the more you begin seeing that he has something specific that he wants you to do. And when you're walking in that specific, specific path that God's narrow, uh, the specific narrow path that God has called you to, then the promises will come into your life. And it become very real to you. And they will begin to be a testimony of who you are. Now, one of the promises, and this is an example of specific promises in my life, is that I travel on missions trips. Um, in 1992, I had not been on any missions trips at all. I didn't want to go on a missions trip. I, I didn't wanted to stay in Springfield, Ohio. I didn't think I had the time. I didn't think that I could afford it. Um, my wife, on the other hand, had a different idea. And she was encouraging me to consider missions as our church. I was in my early 40s. Our church really hadn't been much about missions. And then I started traveling on missions trips, and I guess you could blame Rick and Heather Ives, whom some of you knew and know. Now, they were in Russia, and Barb, my wife and I, Barbara, began feeling that we should go to Russia and visit Rick and Heather Ives. And I had this, this pushback in my spirit. says, I don't have the time, I don't have the money. But I, I heard God very specifically tell me in 1992, he said, when I call you to go on a missions trip, you stop saying to yourself, you don't have the money to go. You stop it because I will provide for you. That's a pretty specific promise, isn't it? I want you to know that that missions trip was paid for. And since 1992, I have been on 98 mission trips. The cheapest of which was $5,000. The most expensive was $120,000. And every time I went on a mission trip, God paid for it. It's, it's not in a budget. You look at the budget of the church that I was a pastor of up until last year, there's not Pastor Grant's mission trip, but it's not in the budget. It's not there. I'd never have really sent out an appeal letter. It's just in all of those mission trips, God provided. That was his promise to me. That was his promise to me. Uh, the third time that we went, my daughter, who was 11 years old, uh, she said, uh, Dad, I want to go on a mission trip. I want to go to Russia with you. And you know what? I had the pushback of, well, you know, you can't get out of school, and it's really expensive. <laughs> Same excuse I had for me not going on a mission trip. You know what she did to me? She says, all right, Dad, you say I'm too young. You say I can't get out. Uh, if I raise the $4,000 to go on this mission trip, can I go? 11, 12 years old. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. She, I unleashed something with her. She wrote letters. She started calling people. She was all over 12 years old. In fact, it got so bad that an elder of the church came up to me after service one day. He says, you know your daughter, Emily? Yeah, you know how she's raising money for Mission Trip? Yeah. She said, he said, just tell me how much she needs. I'll pay for it if she'll just stop bugging me. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, what can I say? She got to go on her missions trip. And, and that anointing and Admissions seems to still flow in my family, not only of missions, but also of provisions. But what you need to understand about the promises of God, first of all, is that they are, they are good. Can, can I hear an amen to that? Amen. The next thing that you really need to seek out in your walk is the specific promises that God has for you. But the third thing that I want you to understand is that uh, all the promises of God are yes and amen. The promises of God are great. You need to seek them out specifically for you, but they are also good. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What I have found when it comes to promises is that oftentimes our approach to really believing God, even with the general promises or with the specific promises has a lot to do with what's happened to us in the past. Uh, some of us have been in situations where uh, promises weren't fulfilled. How many of you ever experienced somebody say, uh, I will pay you back later? 
Have you ever heard a teenager look at you sincerely and say, I will never do that again? And some of us have had devastating consequences in our ability to have faith because somebody said that I will love you forever and, and then didn't. And so we have this tendency within ourselves to bring our perspective of promises according to what's happened in the past. I myself feel that I've been privileged because as I was being raised, uh, my parents kept their promises. I cannot remember one time when something my mom or my dad said to me didn't come true. One of the great blessings that I have had in my relationship with Bobby and Carrie is that I've probably known them 20 years, and Bobby has walked with me during some very difficult times in my own ministry. And Bobby has never broken a promise. If he said he would call, he would call. If he said, Grant, you can call me, I could call him. I, ha I have been privileged. I have been privileged to walk with people that keep their promises. Here's my prayer for, for River Bend, that you will become a church that walks in promise, but a church that keeps promises. And that your family, as, as a husband, you will be a husband that will make a promise and keep a promise. As a wife, you will make a promise and, and keep a promise. As children, you will make promises and you will keep promises. Because this is what Jesus does for you. All of his promises are yes, and all of his promises are amen. Now, I recognize when we come to the specific promises of God that some of us are feeling frustration, perhaps because there is a prayer request that hasn't been answered, or somebody that you've been praying for, for healing that, that have passed into eternity. And I understand that, I understand that, but it does not negate God's promises. But when it comes to something that we think, from our perspective, didn't come true according to what we thought God had promised us, you need to realize this that we exist in time and God lives in eternity and God's not limited by our time to fulfill his promises because he has all eternity. And so there's a hope to the difficult times in our lives that's covered by considered all joy when you encounter various trials, that's covered by rejoice in the Lord always because God will fulfill his promises and he has absolutely eternity to do it. Now, if you find yourself without hope, if you find yourself dealing with God in a difficult situation because you're not sure exactly that he has lived up to his promises, which I want to proclaim he has, Romans 8 is your chapter to go over and over and over again. It's the promise, it's, it's, the, it's where you get the attitude for the eternal perspective and God fulfilling his promises. There's therefore now... No condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only does it talk about us being children of God, it talks about us being co-heirs with God. It, it says this magnificent passage where it says, For I consider the sufferings of this time aren't even worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed. Yes, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. God who did not spare his own son that gave him up, will he not also give you all things? So you need to read Romans and Romans and Romans over again because it's easy to go to God is great, but then when we have a prayer that's not answered, sometimes we begin to doubt the goodness of God because something specific that we thought should happen didn't happen, and so we begin to doubt the goodness of God. I believe that when we see the eternal perspective, we also realize that God does love you. It is true that God works all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All right, so now I want to get back to this, pass, this password. I, I want to review 7, 13, 19 again. I want to get back to this password, 7, 13, 19 again. And, uh, and so just so you um, kind of won't forget it, I have some cue cards here. All right, so when I throw up this card, you're to shout what's? All right, and uh, okay, and so when I put this one up, what are you going to do? Okay, I really don't want you to forget this, okay? So then when I put this up, what are you going to do? Nice. 
All right, so let's, let's practice this, okay. Switched it up a little bit on you. You got it, you got it. 7, 13, 19. Uh, let me explain how I came upon that and how it's so relevant to you today. There are perhaps, uh, I don't know, I keep trying to study how many promises are in, in the Bible. Um, somebody writes 30,000, but I suspect that's not true because there's only about 31,000 verses in the Bible. So I, I think it's probably less than that. Uh, somebody, I think, that's fairly authoritative said 2,000. Somebody said 6,000. So we're going to land on 4,000 in the Bible. Okay, so just turn to the person next to you and say there's 4,000 promises in the Bible. Okay, so there's 4,000 promises in the Bible. Um, which ones, and, and how do you grab hold of that? It's just so, so general, and there's so many of them. And I was actually thinking about this, because I've always wanted to live according to God's promises. And I was reading Philippians 4 from my devotions one day. And I came across um, Philippians 4, 7. And I, I read, uh, The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm, the peace of God. And then I read a little bit further, actually six verses down, and I came to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things or all this through him who strengthens me. Wow, the power of God. And then I kept reading in Philippians 4, and I came to 19 where it says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Do you know where I'm going with 7, 13, 19? I began to understand a moment of revelation that all 4,000 promises are summarized in three promises in Philippians chapter 4. I, you think about it. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, peace, power, my God shall supply all of your needs, provision. Now you think through all 4,000 promises, think of any promise that is in your mind, and one of them has to do with the peace of God, one of them has to do with the power of God, one of them has to do with the provision of God. And that was just eye-opening to me because I recognized, yeah, God will give me specific promises. But every morning before I get out of bed, I go over 7, 13, 19. I want those promises unlocked. I know I want the general promises unlocked. I, I want the peace of God. I want the power of God. I want the provision of God. And so that I know that's who God is when I come upon those situations my day when I need his peace because I'm frightened or anxious or upset. When I need the power of God because somebody needs to be prayed for. Well, I need his provision. I go over this every morning before I get out of bed simply because I know that the promises of God are yes and amen. All 4,000 promises can be summarized in three verses. 7, 13, 19. Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 13. Philippians 4, 19. It's the password to unlock God's intentional promises in your life. I just want to review. Uh, Philippians. Actually, I was just holding this up. I was just going to say, I want to review. And then you, uh, well, let's do it. All right, stop. Don't say a thing. Uh, Philippians uh, 4, 7 in my life, a testimony. Uh, the peace of God um, that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. I had two, um, interesting the phraseology of Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God. Uh, it, it really is, it's, it didn't say God, it said the peace of God. That surpasses understanding. The peace of God comes from the presence of God, and whenever the presence of God comes close to you, there's his peace. It, it just chases away 
away uh, worry. And when you're walking with God, there will come some terrible times in your life that are unavoidable. And God doesn't necessarily explain why it happened, but he gives you his presence. Now, it does say in the Bible that when you get to heaven, he'll give you the explanation. So it's a question of would you rather have God's presence or would you rather have an explanation? Kind of like would you rather experience love or be able to read about it? And two times in my life, um, once uh, my mother was killed in a car wreck, and when I received that phone call, I can't explain it. I just had peace. And I felt God was sitting next to me. Another time, uh, my wife and I went to bed one night. We're woken up at 6.15 a.m. Our house was on fire. Out we went. House gone. Everything gone. And I was standing there outside the house looking at it, kind of a burned-out hulk of what it used to be. And I just had God's presence right next to me. I will say this, that I have experienced God's presence and God's peace more deeply during the trials and tribulations in my life than I have during the upper-level joys and success and victory. You see, God is a God of peace, and he will bring peace into your life. And I just want to ask you, I'm going to come back to this in the ministry time in just a moment. Uh, do you need his supernatural peace today? Supernatural peace today. In 13, it says the power of God. You know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It says in verse 13 that God's power would be there and his promise would be there. Um, two miracles that I've had in my life, and there have been others, but two significant miracles. When I became a Christian, I was a, a drug addict on the verge of uh, a suicidal paranoia is what I called it. I had been traveling around during the hippie days and I was 18 years old and I found myself on Daytona Beach where I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, and then was baptized in the Atlantic Ocean New Year's Eve, 1971-1972. Um, I was addicted and that addiction uh, came upon me every day kind of like a black mist. And I, I would get up, and, and I couldn't stop myself, my thoughts, my actions. And the first morning that I got up, that black mist came back. And I cried out to God. I said, God, if you'll set me free from this, I will serve you the rest of my life. And literally, I saw that black mist disappear. Two weeks after that, I founded the church that I was a pastor of until 49 years ago. I, God took me at my promise. I, I have never um, wanted to do drugs again and never had any flashbacks for the multiple occasions in which I took LSD. It was just totally and completely eliminated. I, I want to give you this promise in your particular situation is that you can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. 19, uh, God shall supply all of your needs. Um, a little bit about this. I always worry about money. So this is my promise. God shall supply all of my needs. I'm in situations all the time where God supplies my needs. It's almost like the promises specifically that he gives to you sometimes just run right at your fears. If you're a person that worries about money, God wants to give you some promises about giving generously. That's the way he does. The promises come so that you'll overcome and be victorious in your life. That's what it says, magnificent promises, so that you can take on the divine nature. One of the, uh, the great worries that I had about, my, uh, about raising my, my children was that um, we gave away a lot of money, and you're supposed to pay, save for your kids' education. Uh, whenever we would have a building program, my wife and I would give ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars, of which we didn't know that we we didn't even know where it was coming from. And and so the money that we would save for my kids' college, um, when it was time for my kids to go to college, wasn't in a savings account; it was in his bank account. And so, I, my daughter Emily, coming back to her, she wanted to go to a very expensive college. 
And my point back to her was, we can't pay for it. And her point back to me was, uh, Dad, remember that trip to Russia? You know, th that was her point back to me. And, and uh, there was some fearfulness in, in, my, in my life because I had made a pledge, my wife and I had prayed, had prayed from the beginning with our kids' life that they, we would pay for them a college education and they would not have to go in debt for college at all. So I'm a pastor. I go on missions trips. Uh, we're building buildings. And, and I had our goal was to pay for all three of our kids' education. They would have no debt coming out. And so my daughter, who wanted to go into a medical profession, wanted to go to this very good school because she thought that would give her the best step forward in her desires for her career. And uh, I was really worried about it because uh, she decided on a particular school. And I had been introduced to the dean of admissions at this school. And so I don't know what to do. I just felt the Lord, why don't you just call the dean of admissions and tell him your situation? So this conversation lasted 45 seconds. Hello, Dean. I'm Grant Edwards. Do you know me? I have a resume that I'm looking at on my desk now of Emily Edwards. Would that happen to be your daughter? Yes, that would be my daughter. I see that she's gone to Russia. We want students that have international experience in our college. I'm going to give her the presidential scholarship. 45 second conversation. I was so excited, I hung up the phone and then started thinking, what in the world is the presidential scholarship? And even better, Will it help at all? <laughs> Three days later, we were at her graduation. And, uh, of course, obviously, she had a lot of uh, uh, success with all the testing. And uh, she was at the very, very, very top of her class. And uh, her class was spectacular. They were getting all kinds of scholarships. And the principal stood and he said, this is an amazing class. We've never had one like this before at our school. And he said, there has been this much money that has been given to these kids for scholarship. He began listening, 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 listening. Well, my wife and I had put a budget together. And we figured that to keep our Emily from going into debt, she would need $80,000. That would to get her through school, eighty thousand. That didn't pay for the college. That we had some money, so that'd be eighty thousand. So we're sitting there at the graduation of my daughter, going through. This person got ten thousand. This person got fifteen thousand. This got twenty thousand. And we're looking and thinking, well, how about that presidential scholarship? And uh, nothing until the very end. And then there's a pause, and he said, "And Emily Edwards, presidential scholarship to Wittenberg University." for $76,000. Now, my point was, I looked at my wife and I said, how about the other four? <laughs> my wife has this look that says, stop it. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God. Philippians 4, 13, the power of God. Philippians 4, 19, the provision of God. Would you bow your heads, please? Father in heaven, I ask that your promises, we know they're very real. Uh, people have accepted Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. But um, there's many people today that need to have the hope of a specific promise. And so my question to you would be, and do you need peace in your life? Is there guilt? Is there anger? Is there lack of forgiveness? If you have 
guilt or anger or lack of forgiveness, that will be the thing that you will cling to and it will be a closed fist and you won't be able to open your hand up to receive the God's grace gift of, of peace. And do you need peace in your life? Now, some of you need uh, power in your life. There are people here that are sick. Uh, you've received devastating news recently. Uh, there are people here with, with back problems. Some of you are praying for children, and you know that they need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you just want the power of God to come. So my next question would be is, if you don't need peace, if you don't need power, do you need the provision of God in your life? And what is that provision? And it's okay to ask a specific amount. Uh, I was asking for 80000 for my daughter. Uh, what exactly do you need? Uh, peace. Power. Provision. I'm going to ask the worship team to begin speaking. And is Pastor Bobby here? Bobby? How many of you are going to remember those promises? Huh? Ought to be seared into your conscience. 7, 13, 19, Pastor Yeah, I think I'm going to remember that too. That's good. I'm going to ask that our prayer teams that are assigned to minister today would come and position themselves at different places across the front. The needs that have been highlighted by these promises are evident. The important thing to know is that the promise maker is the promise keeper. Amen? So I'm going to encourage you, whether it's a decision you need to make for Christ, whether it's a decision to renew your commitment to Him, whether it's prayer for peace or power, for His purpose, for His provision, come and receive prayer as we sing a song and closing and just worship together here for a moment we want you to respond we're just going to pray over all of you and i'm going to ask that grant would just pray a prayer of response that each of you would just respond uh, before we close can i just add one testimony it's just in keeping with this wonderful promise from philippians 4:19. Um, we could be here for years sharing testimonies yeah, couldn't amen. we pastor amen. this church is 10 years old this month and one of the things that I freaked out about when the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to plant another church. I went, another one? Did, do you remember, Lord, how old I am? He seemed to know. And I just said, I'll obey you, but there's one thing I just can't do. I just can't deal with financial pressures of needs not being met. I just can't deal at this point in my life, Lord. You just know, I just don't feel like I've got the grace to climb that high of a mountain. And I've been in churches that have had financial challenges. Have any of you? Have you ever been in those churches? You know what the Lord said to me? Some of you remember because I've said it before. The Lord just said, money will never be the problem for River Bend Church. Amen. I got this. Amen. Amen. I got this. Amen. We've never, we've never had a debt other than the good debt of owning property and building. And uh, God has never missed a payment. There has never been a debt for this church. What is that? Philippians 4. So some of you today need to let these testimonies stir your faith and respond. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And Grant, would you pray one more prayer for us to respond to this wonderful invitation appropriately right now? All right. So um, this prayer will be a reflection and then challenge. I'm going to hold up the number again. Don't shout it. And this is a conviction. I'm going to tell you what it means, okay? Um, so I'm hold up the number and you say it meditatively, okay? Like seven, seven, okay? Uh, do you need seven? Just repeat it, seven. The, the 
peace of God. Do you need 13? The power of God. Do you need 19? The provision of God. The peace, power, or provision of God. He has all promise for you. And God's promises are yes and amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'd ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would come here. uh, That deliver us from addiction. Uh, If somebody's just right on the verge, the the convicting work of the Holy Spirit would uh, bring them to you. Salvation prayer today as they come forward for ministry. Uh, Lord, we just would speak against... um, any illness, any bondage, any captivity, that the power of God would be released here today in just a magnificent way. Father, uh, we know that Americans today are just dealing with anxiety, and so just your presence would be here today and just give us that supernatural peace. Uh, Lord, that we would be empowered to go forth from here, that we are victors and we have not been conquered. And that, Lord, the provision, we don't have to worry. This church can stand on the promise that money will never be a problem. And, Father, you are going to abundantly bless people that are in this room right now so they can be a part of the financial generosity that will take this church forward the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We just ask that the Holy Spirit would kind of come back and forth here. We speak against the, what holds us captive that keeps us from giving fear. Uh, we, we speak against what keeps us from walking in God's power, which is often doubt. And Father, we'd even speak against that spirit of poverty, not having enough, that you would allow us to understand that your generosity has has no boundaries. And so, Father, right now, let us not go from this place without the specific prayers that we need confirming with us our needs and our promises. Father, I just ask that everybody here would remember your promise, password 7, 13, 19. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus.